Coach. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I got to ask this question or I wouldn't be doing my job. Would you care to comment on the rumor that you uh, arranged for an automobile to be purchased for Neon Badeau? You know, Ed, you just got to get your mind out of the gutter. You know, you just got to start thinking straight. I mean, it's right there in front of you. For Christ's sake, it wasn't an automobile. I mean, it was a fully loaded Lexus. <laughs> the damn car had everything. and It had everything, didn't it, Happy? I mean, that car was fully loaded, wasn't it? No, no, Coach. It was a nuclear surfboard, remember? <laughs> you know, and the damn thing of it is, Ed, is, you know, Neon, he didn't want it. He, he didn't want the car. He didn't want to, he didn't ask for anything, but, you know, he wasn't for sale. But well, we got it for him anyway. I mean, and I, I think personally that it would have been a hell of a deal, a, a good price. I mean, uh, I mean, what did Neon do tonight? Does anybody know how many boards did Neon have tonight? Thirteen. Thirteen? Thirteen boards? Well, there you are. It would have been a hell of a deal. Can you imagine? Can you imagine what Neon would have done if we had tried to give him a Ferrari? He might have scored 40 or 50 points. I mean, who knows? Who knows what he would have done for a Ferrari? Now, you know, Neon, he, he, he didn't take anything. He didn't want anything. But some of the others did, didn't they, Happy? Wasn't there some of the other kids? What did we give them? What, cars? Tractors? Give a kid a tractor? Another kid we gave a house? Didn't we give him a house? You know, bags of cash? I don't know what we gave these kids. You know, they asked for things. We gave it to them. I mean, you guys asked me to win, and I gave that to you. Right? Because this ain't about education. It ain't much about winning, and it sure as hell ain't much about basketball. It's about money. Just goddamn money. That's what it's about, Ed. And I bought into it. I bought into it big time. I'm a big part of the problem. Yeah. Stick a fork in this creep, because he's done. He's dead meat. You're finished. You will never coach in America again. You got that? Why don't you try Bulgaria? Here they're looking for wimps like you. Winders! Loser! You lost three years in a row! Give everything you wanted! He's happy heading for the cash machine. Oh, yeah, he's going to get himself a middle linebacker. That guy's got the best player's money can buy! The best player's money can buy! You know, I'll tell you something else. Someplace in America right now, there's some 10-year-old kid. He's out there on that playground. And he's playing. He's dribbling between his legs. He's going left. He's going right. He's already above the rim. He's stuffing it home. And you know what's going to happen to this kid five minutes from now? He's going to be surrounded by agents and corporate sponsors and coaches. I mean, people like me just drooling over this kid because he holds our future employment in his hands. I mean, that's where we made this game. That's what we've done. You know, the best coaching job I ever did, it wasn't tonight. It was last season. You know, when we were 14 and 15, we had a losing season. But goddammit, those kids, they gave me their heart. They gave me everything they had. They played up to the maximum of their ability. They gave it everything. And you know, it wasn't good enough. It wasn't good enough for me. It wasn't good enough for you. It wasn't good enough for anybody. 
That's pathetic. I mean, it's really pathetic. I've become what I despise. I cheated my profession. Cheated myself. I cheated basketball. There's two words I didn't think could ever come out of my mouth. I didn't think I'd ever be able to say I quit. Welcome to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast with your hosts, Mike Randall and Gus Kearns. As I sat here about a week ago talking to my partner Gus about the Orlando Magic 30 for 30, they had a part in there about Shaquille O'Neal and about this movie Blue Chips, and that's where that opening clip was from, Blue Chips, uh, released in 1994, written by Ron Sheldon and directed by William Friedkin, was one of the best movies I thought growing up because it took a look at what was inside the NCAA and what went into winning, what went into college basketball recruiting. It was fascinating. And at the time, people thought it was totally a little bit overblown, not that bad. But Gus, our podcast today here on Screen the Screener, proves that blue chips wasn't that far off was it yeah it didn't seem that farcical now does it i mean i think the the imagery that really caught everybody's attention was the tractor that was bought but i mean this goes way beyond tractors i mean if we're talking a hundred thousand dollars a hundred thousand dollars to an individual's family that I mean, just dang that I mean, we we're in a deep here, very deep here. There's a connection, Gus, between what was going on with Craig Carton out here in New York and what's going on here. The connection is a Ponzi scheme. And yep. what's amazing, that speech by Nick Nolte, which, by the way, Nick Nolte, great actor. How great was that speech? Talked about how he just had enough of the illegal dealings that were going on in college basketball. But, folks, we have to come on today and talk about this because it is such a big story. So Gus and I are going to bring you our little view, a summary of what's gone on here in college basketball. It's been absolutely incredible. So it starts with Marty Blazer, who was arrested and charged on May 6th of 2016 for something, Gus, he was doing in the SEC. He was a financial advisor, which is what a lot of these guys are that start this stuff. Mm-hmm. And he got arrested for some illegal dealings. He had done stuff with pro athletes. He had run a Ponzi scheme. He had asked them to invest some professional athletes, Gus, into a movie called Mafia the Movie and another movie called Sibling. And Gus, the problem is those movies didn't exist. So that's a Ponzi scheme. And basically he would take the money and invest it and siphon it around. Anyway, so as he got in trouble and he got arrested, notice nothing has been mentioned about college basketball yet. He basically decided to cut a deal like all these guys do because they get their backs against the wall and they want to cut a deal. And once You know he gets- what? When, when you get your back pushed against the wall that far, everybody talks. Everybody talks. And that's what happened. And so he talks and he agrees as part of his plea deal that he's going to become a cooperating witness for the FBI and he provided information for a reduced sentence or a reduced plea, right? That sparked an investigation into college basketball, into the coaches, into financial advisors, into agents, into apparel company people for 
athletes that they deemed were going to the NBA. And that's really what started this whole thing. And then after that, there was someone who introduced Blazer, who again is now being uh, someone who's going to report for the FBI, to Rashawn McKell, who is a former referee who ended up now getting involved in a clothing company. He couldn't find work. He couldn't find money, Gus. And then after that, he then gets in in conversation with Chuck Person, the rifleman, the guy that we know growing up. We watched him. We loved Chuck Person. He would hit threes. Incredible player for Indiana. Chuck Person, who, by the way, Gus, I guess they estimated he made $23 million playing in the NBA from 1986 to 2000, which is the common theme because why would Chuck Person need money? But he did. And basically, Person was able to set up or steer these young athletes towards this clothing company so that when they get drafted, they would wear the brand of this guy up there, as we saw all the NBA players, De'Aaron Fox, right, with the clothes where he was showing inside the jacket, all those players showing that at the NBA draft. Well, that's he, had the cool, he had the cool shoes, of course. Yeah, the cool, all that stuff, and that, that means money for somebody. So they see these, these players as a conduit to that. And then after that, it just went downhill, and they talked about – a coach from Arizona. They talked about assistant coach from Oklahoma State. They talked about an assistant coach uh, from Louisville, of course, which now they're talking about the recruiting being Brian Bowen because Brian mm-hmm. Bowen, we had talked about, and Paul Biancardi, of course, we just talked about how he declared very late, and it seems like now we know why he declared. And this is just the tip of the iceberg because today, Gus, they're still talking about Miami. Could be yep. Lonnie Walker. I mean, mm-hmm. I, you know, it's going to – basically, they are taking players and, quote, forming a relationship with them before they can actually make the NBA. That in of itself, Gus, isn't bad, right? But what's bad is when the check comes later on as a thank you. That's the problem. The problem, well, the the problem is multi-layered here. The problem isn't just the money. The problem is also the rules that prohibit the money. The problem includes the, the roles the roles for the schools, the the roles for the coaching staff, the the roles for the NCAA. The problem is not just one particular thing that we can point an arrow at and then aim at. The the problem is is all over the place. The problem it has many tentacles. It's not just like we can fix it with one thing. And I think this inve- the FBI investigation with its wiretaps, undercover agents, the sting operation. The, the, the video, the audio, catching these, ca- catching everything that people thought was off camera on the down low and now is out for consumption. It, I mean, I think it, there's so many directions to go with this, Mike. I mean, where, where, I mean, do we, do we go ahead and attack the rules of the NCA? The, the one and done rule? Do we go ahead and, and, and bring up like the, ongoing argument of do we actually pay the players finally so this doesn't have to happen does the nba play a role with their uh situation of allowing who they allow into the their league um and an age limit like i i don't i don't know if we are gonna like dig up the answer here but there's a ton of different directions that we can go here and unfortunately this is just sullying the sport that we love it is, but what I, I think people, a lot of people writing today, like this could really be the end of college basketball. Uh, people pipe down, okay, settle down. It's easy. not. It's not the end of easy. anything. Right. Listen, there were there were recruiting issues. There were shaving points issues with Boston College year, years ago that that went on. 
this is a problem that is that has grown out of control. Remember, Gus, with the whole blue chips thing, that was money coming from boosters, right? And then there was mm-hmm. that that happened and that occurred, and everyone looked into it, and then they clamped down on that. So now right. what they basically did was they said, okay, well we know we can't pay them, but let's get a third party to pay them. Okay, so this this will help in the end. Something good always comes out of something bad. This will help regulate all this stuff because it really had grown out of control. Gus, if if you and I are our 18-year-old recruits, the idea that we're being steered to a Nike or an Adidas school is idiotic. It's totally idiotic based on the fact that we're playing AAU with a Nike team. or an Adi- That is ridiculous. They should be able to, to, to be recruited based on the coach, the feel, the fit, all that stuff. That's what it is. It, it's not the introduction. It's the fact that the payment's going on. So college basketball will survive this, but they got to clean this up because basically, Gus, they transferred from the coaches and the, the boosters to the third-party shoe companies. That's what's not correct. Correct, and that that is where I mean, if we're I guess if we're going to attack somewhere, I think that's the place to you know aim the quiver of arrows at because the I don't know the parallel play between the coaching staffs and the sneaker companies. It's almost like they're working in concert yet not listening to each other's songs. The coaching staffs think, oh, okay, this, we are a, okay, let's just, let's just call it Adidas since Adidas got named in this, in the FBI investigation, right? Let's just stick with that because that's fact right now. So, oh, I'm an Adidas school and this kid, this highly recruited, let's call him a five-star recruit. Uh, played in the Adidas uh, AAU program over the summer. Okay, he can be steered our direction. Okay. The coaching staff kind of has that information and kind of has that, like, I, I don't know, that that, that they, they know that, that that kid is a possibility for them greater than uh, a Nike school. So already they kind of have a leg up. But then it, also while that's happening, parallel, like, they – are not paying any attention or are at least just putting a blind eye up to what that sneaker company is doing to steer that particular player to a particular Adidas school. So yes, do the NCAA rules say that it's illegal to to, uh, give players unproper benefits? Yes, of course. But if the benefits aren't coming directly from the school or a booster and like you said, a third party, it's almost like the, the coaching staffs can, like, dust their hands with it. Now, of course, they can't. It's illegal. We, 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 I mean, uh, because the, the, we're talking about this. This, this is why, uh, obviously, this can't happen. But I think it just became commonplace and it became almost borderline accepted that, okay, well, the sneaker company is going to do what they can to get this guy here. And then we're just going to show our interest and go from there. I mean – just go back and hit the rewind button on the on the Bowen recruitment, right? He, he's a, he's an Adidas kid, uh, Louisville Adidas school. Okay, he is not even on Louisville's radar. Uh, Patino gets the call like, "Hey, are you interested in this player?" Of course he is. He takes an unofficial visit to the school, which means he can't be put up in a dorm. That means he can't be uh, he can't have any meals paid for on campus. Uh, he doesn't get any gear. Uh, none of that stuff. And, and Pitino went out of his way to say, man, you know, we had an unofficial visit. We got really lucky here. We didn't put a dime out for him. Don't you think that, like, when he goes out of his way 
saying we didn't put a dime out for this guy. Like something has to be afoot there. Like it, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I just think the parallel nature that has somehow become commonplace, where these two major factors in college basketball, the coaching staffs and the and the sneaker companies, do not like they don't cross paths. It's like somehow they like, oh, well, I'm not going to, that's not us. So that's not going to be illegal for me. It just it doesn't make sense. Yeah. They, it's arrogance, Gus. They, they think they can outthink that's a, it. That's a great word for it. You know, a fantastic word for it. It's, and here's the thing. The problem with Patino is, listen, do I think Patino knew that Andre McGee was getting those strippers for those kids? I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, probably. Okay. But it's the idea that a five-star – if you and I are the head coach, okay, you're the head coach and I'm the recruiting guy. And that's the other problem in this is that years ago, Gus, there were not a recruiting coordinator. There's a guy there who's getting paid peanuts who's fighting and clawing his way to try to be a regular assistant coach. So he doesn't have to do stuff with 17, 18-year-old kids all the time. And he can make more money. So he's being judged by whether he gets this kid. Now, here's my point. You're Rick Pitino. I'm the assistant coach. I come to you in June and say, Brian Bowen wants to come to Louisville. Don't you close the door and say, why? Like, Ow. you can't tell me Patino heard that information and said, oh, great job. That's not what happens in life. These guys have five million ways to, to break a one three one zone. Patino says to him, why? How are we getting him? Why are we getting him? At that point, you're telling me the assistant is saying any of this? I just find it very, very hard to believe. Right, and um, right. Ian O'Connor did an article on ESPN about Patino, his rise and his fall. And he ends it with a, a phenomenal way of ending it. He said that uh, it goes back to when Patino started his career at the University of Hawaii. He was cited by the NCA for eight rules violations. That's way back when he started. Then in the spring of 1989, just as, he, as it was trying to recover from its own scandal, Kentucky almost didn't hire Patino because of those infractions at Hawaii. Patino basically raged against them, saying he denied any wrongdoing and he persuaded Kentucky to set aside its reservations, O'Connor's right, O'Connor writes, and make him an offer. He said at the time, there's no one in this business with more integrity than Rick Patino. The problem is it's too much, it's too much stuff, Gus. It's too much stuff over and over again. There's a problem. There's something. Right. And he, and he's gone. I mean, basically we know he's gone and the AD is gone, but it's arrogance. Right. And, and here's the thing. Everybody in life is motivated by three things. No matter what you do in life, it's one of three things. It's fear, love, or greed. That's what it comes down to. You and I can sit here or a division three coach or a low level division one coach and go, why the heck would Rick Pitino cheat? Right? That, that's what they would say. I don't know, Gus. Why would professional athletes go bankrupt when they have all this money? Why would somebody that has you know all this stuff end up you know wrecking the car or doing drugs? People do stuff. It's what happens. I don't know if it's boredom. I don't know if it's I don't know what it is. But to Rick Pitino, he measures himself against Calipari and against Shashevsky, and that's it. So this was about greed. It was about winning and it was about greed. It was the recruiting coordinator who wanted to become an assistant coach. It was Patino who wanted to get one more five-star recruit because they got knocked out early by Michigan and he could have maybe got to another Final Four. That's what it's about, man. And it comes back to that. They entered basketball because they loved it. 
and then they they do things because they're fearful of losing their edge and then they get greedy because they want to win the system is broke it's broke with the payments for the kids it's broke for the one and done rule Gus you cannot tell me these kids are going to class it's ridiculous Derek Rose with the SAT and that's what all this is about man right it's listen you're not going to be in school long enough for them to trace this money don't worry about it that's the problem it's systemic now I, I totally agree. Two great words, systemic and just plain old. Like, I don't know. So let's go back to the rules, right, and the rules. The rules here, if we, you know, we go back and fix the one and done rule, that's not going to fix it. That's not going to fix this problem. If we go back and fix the rule of um, paying the players, that's not going to fix it either. If we involve the NBA and, and have them... Uh, goof around or adjust their age limit rule. That that may not fix it either. I I don't think you or I or if we talk to you know five other really really intelligent people that are knowledgeable about college basketball and know the rules in and out uh, that have higher degrees than we do. I, I don't know if the five of us could figure it out. Like right now, this is going to be an ongoing process. Because there is no solution at the ready right now. There is no like one thing that somebody can say that's going to say, okay, this will magically fix everything. There are too many moving parts. The roles, the rules, who's involved. And you know what the biggest thing here is? It's what you said. It's the greed. It's the money. The reason the NCAA is not and has their hands tied and would never ever do something that the FBI has done here is because think of all the money that they have pouring in to, to their sport, whether it be through shoe companies, whether it be through TV contracts, whether it be through the literally billions of dollars that Turner and CBS have paid to have the March Madness on their networks. There is no way that the NCAA is going to do an internal investigation and be and put all of those funds at risk. So the NCAA itself is not going to police itself in the proper fashion and this investigation shows you exactly the truth. This investigation shows you that there is no possible way that the NCAA can police itself because it itself has issues. It itself is too greedy. It itself is too connected to the money. That's the issue. And you're right. It's not one thing and it's going to be fluid. It's going to be ongoing. But the NCA, Sonny Vaccaro even said it too. He said the NCA doesn't have the ability to reach this far and doesn't have the ability to get this deep, right? I mean, the NCA can't get into an investigation on Adidas so, versus Nike, right? They can right, only right, go right. through so each school. I'm just going to jump in right there just for a few seconds. And it doesn't want to either because then it loses all of those things. Like then who pay, Who gives them all their sneakers? Who, who's going to make all those all those uniforms? Who's going to give them their warm-ups? Who's going to get all that practice gear? Like, where does that come from now? If they're going to go ahead and investigate against these own companies that are providing the things that they do their sport in. Like, it's just, it's so ironic. There's no way that they would go ahead and, 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 and stab themselves in the foot like this. Yeah, that's the problem. And it, it, it I do think, though, it's eroded. I, I think that 
it eroded when you made the recruiting coordinator position because no one wants to be the recruiting coordinator. That was a little bit. Then it eroded when the sneaker companies now take care of all the AAU teams and they have deals with certain schools. And then it erodes a little bit more when you have the fact that the players don't get paid. Then it erodes a little bit more when you have the players coming to school and these people are offering them money and they're coming from poor areas. And then it really erodes Gus and I'm against it is the one and done rule. It's stupid. The one and done. Yeah. We, call, right. we, call, we call these kids student athletes. You're not a student athlete. If you're attending college and you know that you are leaving to go to the NBA or declaring for the draft right. after, around April, you're not a student. You're not, you can't tell me that John Wall had five difficult classes. Go back to, this is the problem. Go back to the mindset of the way a kid is when they're 18 years old. We're not not signing up for physics, you know, abstract linear algebra. Okay. And all these classes, if we know we're not going to be there, you're going to take five fluff classes that the professors are going to pass you in. And then you don't have to attend class in January because you're not, those grades don't go through until May. So they're not all of these kids that are one and done are not attending class after December what fifth eighth tenth that that's absurd that's they're not student athletes so the NCA has done this and here's the problem you take a coach like Jim O'Brien who used to be at Boston College went to Ohio State and he gets nailed because he paid for I think it was someone's flight to go home to the funeral of their father or mother. You know, like there's so many picking rules and then you have something like this going on and there's no consistency. So I think there has to be a conversation. Something has to happen here. The your kids are getting a free education. That means something. They're also getting exposure. I don't know if they're going to be paid. I have no idea. But the system is broken. I've hated the one and done rule. I think it's stupid. I don't think these kids should just jump straight to the NBA either because an 18 year old kid should not be going around in the Gatorade League, you know, with 25-year-old adults. Like, that's ridiculous. So that is a problem to me as well. I want to see him in college. I know four years is never going to happen, but certainly more than one. It's broke. It's broke across the board, and this was inevitable. But I do believe, Gus, it will recover. I really do. I agree with your assessment on the recovery, and I completely agree with your verbiage of broke. It's broke on multiple levels. Now, you say you don't want to see the high school senior go straight to the NBA, but that's part of the problem. The problem is there are a few every year that can go straight to the NBA, and you know what they're worth? They're worth millions of dollars. That player could go, you know, if, if we're going, you know, hit the rewind button, go back to when Kobe can come in and KG and Amari Stoudemire. And, and all those guys can go straight. They sign their rookie contract and they are automatically worth millions of dollars. Now, let's bring it back to this in, uh, current investigation. I'm sure that there are some delusional five-star prospects that think that they're as good as Kobe or good as KG or good as Amari Stoudemire and that they are worth those millions of dollars. So you know what they're thinking? I should get paid. I should get paid by somebody somewhere. Guess who steps in and gets them paid? The sneaker companies. The sneaker companies go in and say, hey, we'll pay you now as long as you wear our shoe when you get into the NBA. And then you give us a kickback. So there's a problem here too because these players have a legitimate gripe 
that they should be getting paid millions of dollars as an 18 or a 19 year old. However, they can't. They can get their scholarship to their school and that's it. And then they have to wait a whole nother year to get that MBA contract. So they're putting off that, they're putting, they're, they're stopping the clock and adding another year to the million dollar clock, if you want to call it that. So I, the whole thing is busted here. Like if there's going to be this type of money coming in from sneaker companies that are going to pay these athletes and these families that think they're worth millions of dollars, like the few NBA players that we mentioned that get drafted in the lottery straight out of high school, then it makes sense. Not, I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying it's like proper. I'm not saying it's like not against the rules. It's all of those things. It's against the rules. It's not proper and it's not right. But can't, like, can't you see their argument at least a little bit? It, I, so the whole thing is busted. They have to change multiple rules. I'm not talking about just changing the one and done rule. I'm not talking about the change of playing players rule. I'm not talking about the NBA and their age requirement rule. There's multiple rules on multiple levels by multiple entities that need to be fixed, changed, and taken a look at and adjusted for this to be fixed and not continue to not continue to carry on in the future. And you know what? There needs to be something that marries the NCAA and the NBA together on these rule decisions. Okay, it just makes it, it, because they're two separate entities. They're, they need to get together. That's the first step. I think if the NBA and the NCA can get together and have some sort of like outside, unbiased body that can make great decisions for both sports, that's the first step. Like, and of course, like the names that are going to get thrown out, like, of course, like throw Billis on there. Why not throw, um, I don't know, Stu Jackson on there? Why not, like, you know, like really smart people, but until that happens and there's like an overall governing body for both the NCAA and NBA and they're going to talk about like the joining and the marriage there, like I don't know if any of these things are going to get fixed. Well, it's here. You know, we'll see what happens over the next few days. Miami is now involved. Arizona's involved. Oklahoma State. They're going to talk to Brad Underwood. So dominoes are going to start start to fall. But folks, yeah, Al- Al- Alabama has started their own investigation, like they, they, because they brought in two big time players yep, this year. Of course, they're going to recover. They will get through this. This is not everybody in college basketball. Let's not go crazy. And we're going to, I just think we need to tip the season off. It's amazing. Kentucky's March Madness, Gus, is supposed to start Friday. Um, Holy smokes. You know, I mean, so, or Saturday, rather, Saturday night. So, uh, by by the way, by the way, how quiet do they hope that? You know the whole Kentucky program, Calipari. Well, that's just amazing. Gus, that's just amazing. Like Calipari's a guy who you probably would have guessed, right? Right. right. But like he's been squeaky clean so far. Let's let's see what happens. But it's I don't know. It's it's crazy. You know, maybe he's okay, which is what is nuts. But there was some guy who came out to um to Dick Vitale or somebody on ESPN that was saying he felt major Division one coach is what they said. He felt every major recruit he ever lost was because someone else was paying them. You know, and then even if that's not true, you know, it's going to be some of them. But uh, one thing I want to get to here quick, Gus, is 
Yeah. The question is, where does Louisville go? Guys, Louisville should not get the death penalty, okay? Because Rick Pitino or some assistant coaches or whatever didn't know what was going on. I mean, Penn State didn't get the death penalty with football, with all that stuff that was going on up there. They shouldn't get the death penalty. So here are some thoughts. I'm going to throw some names out at you who can replace Pitino. I do think Gus, they have to clear house. So I know David Padgett, okay, who's on the staff. You got to clean house. I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah. You know, it's life. You need somebody new, somebody from the outside. You need somebody fresh. What do you think? Tom Crean, Thad Mata, what do you think? Thad Mata. Uh, uh, great questions. Okay, here are my, here are my two thoughts. I have, I have differing thoughts on both of them. Thad Mata, not going to touch with a 10-foot pole. His feet are up. His hands are clasped behind his head. He is not smiling. He's a little disappointed that this has come out. But you know what? Perhaps part of the reason that he's out is because this guy, he knew that this was the way that things were going, and he didn't want to play this game. He didn't want to play it this way. His health issues are also another uh, factor. So I think, you know what? I think he just steers clear, and I wouldn't be surprised if he pops up as one of those people that's an advisor that might try to mediate and take a look at some of these rule changes. Tom Crean, he's done this before. He came into a giant mess in Indiana after Calvin Sampson. He, he, he knows the blueprint. He got that team to a Big Ten title. He got that team to the Sweet 16. He even got that Indiana team a number one seed in the NCAA tournament. Makes perfect sense to me. If you're going to bring somebody in after a giant mess to clean up, he's done it before. I'm sure he won't be afraid to do it again. A couple small school guys always talked about Gus, Greg Marshall, Chris Mack. What do you think? No go and no way. No chance that Greg Marshall leaves Wichita State to go to a giant mess in Louisville because of the base salary he's already making at Wichita State. They would have to pay him probably over $6 million a year for him to make that move. And I don't think there's any way that Louisville could justify to their uh, fan base and to their uh, to their conference that yeah, we're going to dump this amount of money after being in trouble about a whole bunch of money. I don't think that's the way that they're going to go. Uh, and then Chris, you know what, Chris Mack? No way. He's got a good thing going in Xavier. There's no chance that he's going to leave a Big East school to go to an ACC school um, if he has to clean up this big giant mess. Plus, he sells a couple of loose ends he needs to tie up at Xavier, so I think there's no chance that he goes there. Those are two great names. Any school in America would be blessed to have those two guys as their coaches, as their coaches. But I think both of them stay put. Well, here's what's interesting: they're going to have to throw a lot of money at whoever's coming there because they're not going to be able to bring in some small schlep because the boosters are not going to have it. They're going to want a big name, and the big name in turn is going to want to say, "Pay me the money." So they're going to have to pony up and pay. They're not going to be able to pay a small guy because then they're just going to fall off the face of the earth. That's the problem. Two other guys I want to throw at you: three actually. Here's yeah. one: Buzz Williams. Hmm. It's interesting. I don't think that he would change schools in conference. How's that? I don't, I, I don't think that that's the move. I think if he was going to make like the next big jump, I think it would be to a bigger school in a different conference. I don't think that he would go from ACC school to ACC school. I suppose they throw eight years at him. Give me a number on that eight years. <laughs> I, think, I think at this point, man, he can write that number. 
You know, I mean, here's the thing. My only guy is that, first of all, Buzz is a military guy. He does things the right way. Okay. Right. He was at Marquette, you know, small, but good basketball, really good basketball program. Oh, you're kidding me? The, the, yeah. the, guy lived, the guy lived in the Sweet 16 at, at, at Marquette. Right. Made a Final Four. Okay. So then he goes to Virginia Tech. Goes, That's not a basketball school. And I, I have a feeling that these guys who are basketball coaches, they want to be a basketball school. So I, I think it's interesting. I, I think that's, you know, I don't think he's staying at Virginia Tech for the next 10 years. That's what I'm trying to say. Like there is, yeah, okay. you know, okay. there's something involved in that. And then the last two guys who are out right now, but mm-hmm. who bring some sort of class to the program and they've been at big programs before, John Thompson the third, Lorenzo Romar. I, I'm intrigued by the first name. I think John Thompson the third would actually be a superior choice. No frills. You know you're getting a great basketball mind. You know he's going to run the program the right way. And you know that he ha- he has made a Final Four. He has had past success at Georgetown. Yep. I think, you know what, I, I don't think Lorenzo Romar is the guy just because of the, not. I'm not going to say shady, but just maybe his lack of success with high-level talent that he had at Washington. So I think they would look for somebody with some track record of success, like a Final Four, a championship game run multiple league titles. I think they would look more in that direction than just like a great recruiter like Coach Romar is. So I, th- I think Romar, I think Lorenzo Romar is a name that we can remove from the list. You know, it's funny. I kind of like Romar better than John Thompson the third. I don't think John You're Thompson... You're kidding me. Really? Yeah, I just don't think John Thompson the is a very good coach. I mean, I, I, think, I think... I think in this situation, I think it kind of makes sense. I, I think his persona makes sense. I think his ethics make sense. I think the way he carries himself and the type of program he's going to run want to run makes sense. But right. if I'm sitting as a Louisville administrator, I'm saying, this guy was in Georgetown where his father was a legend and he won right away and then he was awful. So I, I feel like he doesn't have enough coaching to get it done. I... I I think Romar's a great recruiter. Now, listen, yeah. who knows? Maybe you know, here we go. It gets like the steroid thing in baseball. Why was Lorenzo Romar a great recruiter? I don't know. You know, like, but it's interesting. I, I think that I think they need an honorable guy. I think they need someone with class. They're going to have to find someone soon. They're losing recruits left and right. What happens to Brian Bowen, by the way? I mean, I don't, is he, he going to be allowed to go somewhere else? I don't think so. No, I don't think he's going to play a college game. And he's going to be in the, there we go. There. I think he's going to do something very similar to uh, Mitchell Robinson in Western Kentucky. Yeah. I think he just, you know, signs with an agent, goes and trains. Maybe the two of those guys train together. I don't think he plays a college game, and I think he's in the NBA draft somewhere next year. Well, what we need, man, is we need for all this stuff to come out. We need it to come out. We need to get it over with, and we need to move on. That's what it comes down to because I know this, my friend. Once those balls are thrown up, we got alley-oops going, dunks, threes. Uh, Miles Bridges gives me a cup on the baseline. They will forget about this. They will forget yeah. about this. They will move right. on. Okay, pe- people no. will come back. College basketball is great, and it's it's the most exciting sport out there. And people will go to it, but we just need let's flush let's flush everything out. I don't want to hear tomorrow about a rumor of Kentucky. I don't want to hear a rumor about you know about Texas the next day. Get it all out there. Get it over with. Move on. Everyone's going to mind their p's and q's here for a while. Let's get back to what the greatest game, and that's why we love it.
So I, I, I'll, I, I totally second that. I'm just going to bring out two more things and then I'll, I'll bring us to a close as well. I'm going to play devil's advocate here, Mike. Do you think that the NCAA floated the, you know, questionnaire or opinion or at least like the, the news bit article that they were thinking about changing the transfer rule a couple of weeks ahead of this because they knew this was coming? Maybe like play a distractionary role? Uh, it's possible. I, I don't think that's a big enough reason. I mean, this is devastating. So yeah. I don't. I don't think it's a big enough reason. I just okay. think, like if it's going to come out, let's. You know, the transfer one is kind of an interesting thing. Listen, Adam Silver's doing the right thing in the NBA, Gus. He's addressing this. Everybody sits out rule. Yeah. All this other yeah. stuff. There's a way to solve this. It's going to be fluid. It's going to take time. It's going to take multiple people. But there is a way to solve this because basically, there's no other way to go from here, right? We went from the coaches to the to the the shoe companies like there's no new third party but we do have to decide for the fact that what about the majority of our kids are coming from poor areas and they're not being compensated and i you know i saw the 30 for 32 on bo jackson yep and bo jackson with steinbrenner came down and and basically offered him five hundred thousand dollars to go into the, the draft and his mother who is a mother of seven and not a great you know it didn't have a lot of money said, we do fine without Steinbrenner's money now. Why do I need George Steinbrenner's money? That sort of mindset, that sort of great parenting, that sort of thinking is just rare. And it's not that it's bad. It's like bad if you don't think that way. But I'm saying the temptation is very hard. It's very hard to to move. So you've got to come up with a system that addresses the temptation. I, I agree. I think I don't think that temptation is going to go away. I think it's going to be steady and redundant the whole entire t- uh, forever. I, I think even if new rules are in place, I think there's still going to be ways that uh, whoever that third party or however, I, 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 there's always going to be that. I, I agree. Um, so I, just to circle back to what you are saying before, you know what? I have a sneaky suspicion that once balls get rolled out on the floor at practice, a couple people go to some midnight madness couple of uh, scrimmages are played, a few preseason games are played. You know what? I think that people are going to strangely embrace the teams, the players, and the coaches that are doing things the right way this season. And I think we're going to get to a point where college basketball this season is celebrated for all the good guys, for all the good kids for all the good coaches, for all the solid programs, for all of those teams that you love to root for. I think we're going to find that moment, and I bet that moment is going to be very definable during the season. I can't predict what it's going to be, but I think that we're going to have that moment, and everybody's going to have a universal college hoops basketball smile on their face and not that we're going to forget about like what we're talking about today or not that we're going to ignore it or not that it's going to be in the past. But I think that everybody's just going to be so thankful and glad that the sport that we love is going to provide that happiness. Because right now, I don't think that we can see that moment of a great team playing a great team in a preseason tournament, uh, a pre-conference tournament, and, and us getting excited about it. I think everybody's still worked up and going to stay worked up, and properly so, for this uh, FBI investigation. 
But I think we're going to have that moment. And you know what? I look forward to sharing that moment with you and all the listeners out there. I can't wait to discover what that moment's going to be. I totally agree. I'll tell you right now, Gus, for me, I can do it tomorrow. Because I just, well, I've seen corruption in every sport that, that I've followed that I'm just numb to it right now. It's serious. They'll address it. I got to tell you. I, you got Michigan, Michigan State, Arizona playing tomorrow. I'm going to be fired up all over the place. I understand <laughs> the majority of people will not be. I do understand that. Like, I, I'm in a rare minority. Sure, sure. But, like, I, I just have to separate it. Like, fine. I understand. These guys went, were rogue or whatever. I don't think, like, Sean Miller and all these guys were involved. Patino probably was because he's done it five million times. So I think he was. But you know what? Let's tip it up. Kentucky, Duke, Marvin Bagley. I'm excited. PJ Washington. Let's go. I, I just, we need to move on. Let's get through this week. And I think things will get back to normal. I'm totally with you on that, Mike. Hey, college basketball listeners out there, thank you so much for tuning in the Screen the Screener podcast. We are so thankful that you guys come to us for your information. And again, Mike and I are completely blown away, absolutely humbled by the amount of people that are tuning in during the off-season of basketball for you guys to come to the Screen the Screener college basketball podcast. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you is what we can say. And Mike and I will continue to work hard to give you exactly what you're looking for and exactly why you come to the Screen to Screener podcast. Um, Mike, anything else you want to tell the listeners out there? No, guys, listen, if you get a chance, go back to that Paul Biancardi interview. He's fan- oh, yeah, he's fantastic. He fantastic. Hit, he hit a lot of the freshmen. He talked about kids coming in next year. Obviously, we talked about Patino there for a while. And Brian right, 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 uh, right. And, and obviously, there's somebody in Arizona, Aiden, Aikot. I don't know. But the point is, we love basketball. We love the breakdown. We love hearing about the kids, right? If you do, it's a, fant- it's a fantastic lesson, all right? So go back. We'll have him back in November after the, the signing period because he talked about so many great things. He talked about, uh, you know, Bagley. He talked about um, uh, Kentucky freshman. Yeah, the Kentucky freshman, uh, Michael Porter Jr. He said, think Paul George. I mean, all, all this great stuff. So go back, listen to it. We love it. And if you love that, give us a five-star rating and a comment on uh, iTunes. What do you say now, guys? That, yeah, that sounds good. Can you can you please do that? We're you know Mike and I are working hard here during the off season, giving you a couple podcasts per week. Can I just go off for one quick thing, Mike, and then I'm done? Go for it. Okay, so you know Mike and I are college basketball junkies. We're vagabonds. Any sort of information that we can absorb, that we're going to. So I went ahead and took a, took a listen to John Rothstein's podcast. Great guy. Love him on CBS. So on and so on. I just have a small beef with his introduction to his podcast. He said he is the only college basketball podcast that comes to the listeners 52 weeks a year. I have an issue with that. Listeners out there, you know that Mike and I have been coming at you. We are almost 100 episodes strong since the start of last season. If you extrapolate that out, we're well, well in the ballpark of one a week, if not two a week. So, John Rothstein, you are not the only podcast that gives the college basketball listener what they need every week. We're right there with you, man. Cheers, Salancha, gratulatia. Thank you, listeners out there, for tuning us in once a week or twice a week, however you choose to consume. Folks, uh, Gus, I'll second that, man. Listen. We got some great things coming for you, folks. I know I've been hyping it up, but it's the real deal. We are coming with some great preview stuff for this season. You know we got RandallRant.com. You can visit it there and say what you want, Gus. You go to Google and you type in college basketball podcasts on today. I did this today. You got CBS, you got ESPN, 
and you got Screen the Screener. Folks, that is not because of Gus and I. That is because of you. And that is because of you Thank supporting you, us. We appreciate it. It motivates us. We're bringing it to you harder than Miles Bridges is going to bring it over those Kentucky and Duke freshmen. You know what I mean? Uh, cheers, listeners out there. Thank you so much. Man, we're fired up that, that that's the situation. All right, Mike. Enjoy the fantasy football this weekend. Listeners out there, please enjoy the uh, one of the first fall weekends. Maybe enjoy some foliage. And listeners, we will definitely catch up with you early next week. I'm to the appetite. It's